What's up, guys? It's Jesse Drew and my partner in movie crimes, the Honorable uh, Jeffrey Watson Esquire the Third. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Good. Uh, this is movies to be murdered by, guys. Yeah, you didn't forget us, did you? We didn't forget you. Um, we dream about you every night. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, we are here to talk about a fantastic little gem of a movie. I think I probably used that expression before, but it definitely applies to this one. It is. We are talking about Unhinged, um, which was released in 2020. So if y'all missed it, makes sense because we were all, you know, stuck in quarantine as some of us still are and some of us are not. Um, but anyhow, um, unfortunately, so I don't think this got, you know, a theatrical release, at least not in the States, but it's available on demand. Um, it is, uh, the tagline I should say is, I think it's <laughs> brilliant. It's, he can happen to anyone. And we'll talk about the significance of that, uh, you know, shortly, but it's starring Russell Crowe. Um, it's directed by Derek Bort and written by Carl Ellsworth. Um, it had a really fantastic trailer, uh, a little bit on the long side. There was one that clocked in just under three minutes, but it utilized, uh, I believe it was Heart Shape Box by Nirvana, like a, a different version of it, which I am all for these like symphonic, uh, you know, versions of classics. Um, it's weird to say that Nirvana is a classic because I grew up in the 90s, um, but like like Promising Young Woman, the trailer for that had that beautiful, awesome, creepy, symphonic version of Toxic, Britney Spears. This one had its Nirvana moment. So, and it really lent to the eeriness of the film, um, at least via the trailer. So I cannot wait to talk about this with my brother, Jeff. Um, let's get to it, Jeff. What are you... Uh, what are you talking? Yeah, so uh, yeah, this one's this one starts out kind of kind of crazy. I mean, you know, you kind of get that glimpse that we're we're in for a wild ride. We start out with Tom Cooper, who's played by Russell Crowe. Um, we see him, you know, kind of feeling bad and down, and you know, he's divorced and everything and uh we see him break into his ex-wife's home and he kills her and her boyfriend <laughs> i don't know uh, why i'm laughing i'm sorry I, no, it, we it's funny because we talked about this now. I'm yeah. sorry. wow <laughs> sorry it's also, it's, I, I know and it, we talked about that and it's also like it's such a gang it's such a it's such a gangbusters such a gangbusters entry like it's just like bam and he goes in with the hammer <laughs> yeah i mean just, yeah, just, i mean ruthless with the hammer then he sets the house on fire and and as he's driving away we get this big explosion it's like oh wow this this is where we're going with this movie um so we get that and then we meet rachel and uh she has her son oh, kyle <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I hate Rachel. It's gonna come up, people. I'm gonna say I hate Rachel so much during this episode. Next. Okay, I'll let I'll let you go. I'll let you go. <laughs> but yeah, then we meet Rachel, and you can you can kind of tell from the very start that she's down on her luck. Um and she's trying to get her son to school, and they end up getting into rush hour traffic, and she's um, you know on the phone with the with the job and she's running late she's kind of trying to stall out and they're like you know we can't keep doing this and um anyway she ends up honking the horn in rush hour traffic at this truck and who else but tom is in that truck and she, this is but, like, wait but can i interrupt you but she's yeah. like she like pulls a shitty move, excuse my language. She True. leans on that horn. Like uh, she, yeah. and she could like the people or like people that are like behind her and stuff, they all go around. They mm -hmm. just it takes two seconds. And I have a problem with this because 
this happens often like enough around where I live, which is a small village where I, I have moved around everywhere and lived around all over like the Hudson Valley. And I spent a lot of time in a city that's nearby where you have to drive semi-aggressively, not dangerously, but assertively. If someone stopped like Thomas stopped in his truck at a light and the light turns green, if you can safely go around, you go around, you don't lean on your horn, you know? Right. And that's like, you know, and that's sort of the crux of the one of the, just driving wise, technically, like that's just, it's, it's so annoying, it's so obnoxious everybody else pulls around him and gets where they're going. And she just has to sit there and like lean on her horn. You never do that nowadays. No. You really shouldn't, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, she's, she, she was in the fault because she's, she left home late. It, I mean, you know, let's just be honest. So just because a guy didn't go through when she wanted, then you got to be obnoxious about it. Anyway, I mean, all of us, you know what? At some point, I want me and you to tell a road rage story. Oh, I have plenty. Okay, good, yeah. good. So, uh, <laughs> so then, you know, she, Tom catches up to her after that, and um, he apologizes to her and asks for an apology in return. And she's like, you know what? screw that noise. She didn't really say that. She said a lot, a lot of things, but she's like, I'm not apologizing to this dude. And, um, yeah, they, uh, they kind of, it gets a little escalated from there. And then, then we have a chase. And, um, so then after this chase, she's able to kind of dodge him a little bit and get Kyle to school. And, um, and, and that's when all hell breaks loose, really, for poor Rachel, because then, and I say poor Rachel because she's not, not really poor. Uh, <laughs> not poor. <laughs> I, I <had> on purpose. <laughs> no, you You're egging me on. <laughs> I am egging you on because I just want to, I want to hear you go off on Rachel. <laughs> right. oh, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. I'm just, I want you to lay down a little more plot and then I'm going to go into it. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, she gets away and then she ends up at a gas station and, uh, Tom tracks her down there and, um, she gets, she ends up getting help from a customer guy kind of runs interference for her. Um, and you know, Tom, <laughs> this was just a wrong day to mess with Tom. I mean, Tom was like, no F's given. You know, I I don't care if you're in my way, I'm going to get you out of my way. And that's what happened to this customer. This this guy ended up getting run over, um, not necessarily by Tom, but he ended up in the street <laughs> and he got run over. So. Uh, so, yeah. See, so then to see all of that is Rachel's fault. I'm it, sorry. I, I always. OK. Number one disclaimer. I. Like usually, I don't want to say always, but I usually root for the villain. I, if you watch a movie with me and there's a villain, I'm usually rooting for the villain um, because it's very, in my opinion, it's very hard to come come up with a sympathetic protagonist. Usually the villains are so much more interesting. They have so many more good reasons to do what they're doing and the protagonist usually sucks. And in this case, oh my God, she sucks on a level 10. Yeah. And Russell Crowe is like, fierce on a level like 22 <laughs> on yeah. a scale of one to 10, you know? Yeah. So sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so after he kind of rams into this guy and this guy ends up in the street, um, she ends up trying to contact her divorce attorney who's at a diner. And um, <laughs> Tom doesn't stop. Like this dude does not stop. And uh, <laughs> he ends up at said diner sitting across from this guy. And um, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we end up finding out that, you know, Tom is like, hey, you know, if we can get in touch with her, you know, I'll, I'll try to help you out here. And obviously Tom has some ulterior motives. And when Tom gets on the phone, he's, you know, kind of, you know, he's threatening her at this point. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to 
screw up everything for you and I'm going to go after the people that you care about and the people that you know. And this poor attorney, um, I did Andy. feel Andy, I felt bad for Andy because my goodness, he got the holy hell beat out of him. And uh, <laughs> and listen, and it, this was the crazy part for me, Jesse, is that it's not like Tom. It's not like he said, you know what? Let's go outside real quick and see if we can get a little better service or let's go outside and, and I know. do this, you know, so this isn't, you know, for everybody to see. He did this in front of everybody. No, Tom is working in the diner and it is a full house and there's people everywhere. And he is like, just, he sits down and he knows what's coming. You know, he flings with all his might a, uh, a coffee, a porcelain coffee cup at this guy's face, which made me crack up because it just wings at this guy's face and like, Blam! Like all this blood comes out, and it's fantastic. It's a fantastic shot. And then he starts laying it down for Rachel. Like, you know, do you have like, you know, is this guy your divorce lawyer? Are you, you know, are you uh, having, a, you know, an intimate relationship with him too? Like, because women do that. Because these divorce lawyers, like, they really, um, they really take advantage and they mess with the lives of guys like me and what's her husband's name, Steve or something like that. Uh, her ex-husband. Yeah. And like, so you, you, you're getting a sense that there's, you know, I mean, look, we got all the, the rhyme and reason for his rage and his murderous, you know, side in the first scene. It's very clear. He's, you know, he's obviously you know, married or divorced, um, but not living with the wife, the wife, you know, answers the door. There's another guy there with her in the middle of the night. You know, it's clear that that's hit. That was his house. And so we know that this guy has got, you know, a big chip on his shoulder about pretty much probably everything, but specifically about his marriage. And so he's taking it out on Andy and Rachel in this instance is just the catalyst for all of this. But yeah, as you said, he is, he eventually stabs Andy in the back of the head in front of just ah, everybody at that diner, all the waitresses, the cook, the short order cook, the hostess, you know, the dishwasher, yeah. the rats in the back. Like <laughs> they all, yeah. they're just, they'll never be the same. So, and, and, and he says to her, well, I love, so he says to her, he's like, if there's anything you want to say to your friend, Andy, you, do you have anything you want to say to him now? Say it now. And she's like, what, what, what do you mean? Andy? And he's like, well, that wasn't a good use of your time, Rachel. And just stabs that guy in the throat. And I was like, yeah, Tom. Like <laughs> Tom, Tom was playing no games at that point. He took her phone. That's how he knew, like, you know, like everything. You know, you obviously read all her text messages. And I just hate her so much. <laughs> she is just so awful. She is so entitled. He says to her, like, are you sorry now? Like, can you seem like kind of like a little kid? Like, you know, can we say sorry now? And yeah. she's like, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. And he's like, obviously, you don't mean that. So exactly. I'm just going to tell your friend. So <laughs> bye. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the so, whole thing, yeah, so forget you, right? And then, like, a whole thing at the gas station, I'm sorry. But she, th that guy is dead because of Rachel, that, that you know, that good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, you can't be a good Samaritan in 2021, okay? You can't, you know? Because you just, half the time, people who are like, can you help me? Are, like, actually the ones that are going to rob you and dump you, you know? Mm -hmm. That all the time that she could have just as easily said that to that guy, brought him outside and had Russell Crowe jump him and stolen that guy's wallet and run off. Like that's you just you just don't. I, I'm sorry, it makes me a bad person, but you just don't. Nope. And then but that guy also starts kind of flexing that I thought was funny. The guy is like this young guy like walks around, he's like, no, that's all right, like I'll walk you out. And I'm like, okay, that's a very nice thing to do. Cause clearly she's scared. Um 
So he walks her out and then she like finishes pumping her gas and gets in her car and he's like antagonizing Russell Crowe. And he's like, yo, dude, just leave her alone. Just go away. Just drive away. And I was like, dude, just she's in the car safely. Go back into the gas station. It's got nothing to do with you. But right. no. And then she's all like, oh, where's my phone? And her phone, it's like he took the phone, you know? And it's all her fault because, you know, handle your business. You know what I mean? The, the woman at the gas station, the attendant, was very clear. She was like, do you want me to call the police for you? She could have said yes and spared everybody else a headache and obviously that guy's life. And just been like, you know what? Yeah, call the cops. I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm scared and this is not safe. But no, she's like, and eh, no, I don't think so. I'll just take this guy and go out and we'll walk over there and I'll go away and he'll get killed. And everything's fine because as long as it's not me. And that's like her whole thing, this whole movie is, is like, as long as it's not me, right? Because she's leaning on the horn, being mm -hmm. really rude to somebody well, it's not her though, because she, you know, she's the one who decided to get up late. Even her son tells her at the beginning, like, yep. Mom, you know, you were still sleeping. You know, you 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 were the one who was still sleeping. Like she lost a job, the haircutting job. She's all pissed and stuff. And like, lady, you know, you have a son, you're getting divorced, you have to sell your mother's house, because that was another little detail. You yep. live with your shitty brother and his shitty girlfriend. <laughs> And you now you have like no job. Get it together. Your kid needs you to get it together, you know. Yeah. And like her kid is like way, way more like with it than she is. He's the one when they have that awful confrontation when Russell Crowe pulls up next to her right after she's been leaning the horn on her on him. The kid is the one who's like, "Mom, just say you're sorry." She's like, "I have nothing to be sorry about." And Russell Crowe is like, you don't know what a bad day is. And I'm like, well, here it comes. You just invited the crazy to come out. And you know what? Good. Because you do need some, now you need to see like what it is to like, you know, be messed up and have some entitled white lady, you know, freaking leaning on the horn on you and then not even saying sorry. Like I have totally had situations with like, you know, like messed up situations like that. Uh, not where I'm leaning the horn on anybody, but like, you know, weird situations, you know how it goes, like you might honk or somebody's honking at you and then you look or like you almost run a, run a stop sign and someone kind of looks at you like, what the fuck? You know, I'm always like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And like, I'll make it very clear what I'm saying, like if it's my fault, you know, because that sucks, you know, and mm -hmm. this lady gives no Fs to anybody. She's just like, he's even like, listen, have you ever had a bad day? Like I'm having a really hard time. And instead she's just like, I'm not sorry. Okay. Welcome to join the club. Who cares? And then she's like, Kyle, put up your window. And he's like, I can't put up my window. The window's broken. You freaking jackass. Like you can't even fix this car, you know? And yet she's treating someone else. Like she has the right to treat them like garbage, you know? And you just, I don't know. I just, I couldn't, I'm not saying that Russell Crowe is, Russell Crowe's character is like to be commended. Well, I mean, at times I kind of think he is, but like overall, yeah, he's a maniac, you know, but I get the point. The point is she's a total, she's a total narcissistic entitled, you know, uh, jerk. And like even her son's safety is like second best. Like even if you feel like that person did you wrong, you have your kid in the car. If some maniac is like talking to you and being like, are you sorry? Just be like, yep, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. No, you take care or have a good day. Sorry about that. My fault, you know, and just because you just want to make the peace and get the hell on your way. But no, you know, uh, little miss, you know, she thinks she's driving it like, Rolls Royce she's you know and and that her ass doesn't stink and I just have run into too many women like that around where I live <laughs> that I cannot stand to see it like when I see it in film I'm like oh here it comes also crow bring the pain I want to see this person wriggling in her seat I want to see her crying I want to see her saying I'm so sorry like I'm sorry I'm really sorry this time like I want all of that because she brought it on herself okay 
<laughs> I got. I got to ask you though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, <laughs> I think the reason why I let me back up a little bit. We have a we have a a lot going on right now in the world, and one of those things is the um, the emergence of what people call Karens. Oh yeah. So, quite simply, I'm going to ask you: Is Rachel a Karen? Is she a Karen? Um, I think she might be a. You know what? She's like Karen's cousin who hangs out with Karen all the time and is like turning into a Karen. Yeah. You know, she's not explicitly a Karen, but she is. But she's a Karen, like, you know, about to emerge because she, it just, when they're in the car and they're having that awkward in exchange with Russell Crowe in his car, and he's just like, he's actually like, for what I know, we've seen him like, you know, blow up his wife's house and everything, but okay, let's stay in the moment. He is talking to someone who has no knowledge about any of that. He's actually being a gentleman and he's being very respectful the way he speaks to her son. He's not dropping any curse words or anything. And she just is like, don't look at him. No, Kyle, don't even talk to him. No, don't even answer him. No, no, I'm not sorry. Okay. I'm not sorry. And he's like, well, I'm having a really hard time right now. And she's like, well, join the club. And then is like, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of Karen-esque behavior. You know, and her leaning on the horn. I guess she is a Karen. Let's just screw it. Let's just say she's a Karen. She leaned on that horn. That was her Karen moment, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she's, if she's not, then she's definitely one in training. Yes. You know, like she's definitely that. So um, to continue with this, this uh, <laughs> with Tom just continuing to wreak havoc in her life. I love uh, it. He he goes to uh, Fred, her brother's house, because you know he's on this he's on this path now where he's like, listen, I'm gonna go after everything you love and care about, because if you can't be compassionate about other people's problems, I'm gonna give you something to relate mm -hmm. to people on. So that's what he does, and he goes to the to uh, his house. He kills uh, Mary, Fred's. Uh, fiance, mm -hmm. um, and then he set Fred on fire. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so this is why people think of crazy, but it was really funny. It was. I mean, it really. Is funny is he's like, he's like in the chair, and he's. <laughs> this is why people think I'm crazy, and I, I mean, can't really watch movies with other people. <laughs> I mean, it just goes up in flames. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like Fred, and I don't know. <laughs> it's because his name is Fred, too. Fred. I don't I mean, know why it's just funny. I mean, it's, it's so hilarious. Uh, but Fred, Fred, <laughs> Fred is on fire. Uh, <laughs> I can't even say it like, without smiling. <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> Jeff, I can't say uh, it anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and and the police just happened to get there around the same time. So uh, so they you know they save him, but the officer ends up you know he's able to wound Tom. He shoots him in the shoulder. Uh, but Tom, you know, Tom, Tom is just, he's persistent. Tom's a Marine. He is, he's not being stopped. He, he's, he's a cyborg at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he but, is. And Tom gets away and, uh, and, you know, he ends up catching up with Rachel again and she picks, picks Kyle up. She goes into Kyle's school and just absolutely loses her crap. Let me ask you a question. I want to pause here. Um, if you were in that situation, if you're her, would you go back to take your kid out of school or would you leave him at school? That's a question. Like, 
I would have left him at school. Right? I said I felt the same. I I, th I think I even paused the movie when I was watching it with my husband. I was like, what is she doing? The school is probably the safest place for him. He's surrounded by people, like, you know, and even if Tom, I mean, schools are much more, you know, um, secure nowadays than they were when we were going to school. But like, even so, a, if somebody's really determined to break into a school, they will, you know, they're not fortresses. But even that, that he's, you know, where would he look? He's, he could be in any number of places. I just feel like he should, she should have left him in school instead of bringing him out to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have left him in school. I mean, I would have left him in school and then been like, "Yo, can I hide behind the front desk?" Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, hide, you know, hide him there, call the cops. I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, they end up. Tom ends up chasing them. Uh, he ends up causing a huge crash in the scene where the. Um, where the cop car gets rammed into. Oh yeah. Ooh. I mean like that that moment where Kyle, I mean you can kind of look at him and he sees the cop and he has a sense of relief, but then all of a sudden that relief turns to oh crap, I just put we just put this cop in in harm's way. Yeah. Um, because that goes from relief to just oh crap, this is bad. Real real quick. So um, fast that that scene was, ugh. yeah, and you know, and so then, so then after that, they um, Rachel ends up drive driving to her mom's house, and Tom obviously follows her. Kyle goes in and hides inside. Tom goes after Rachel uh, in the driveway. We think she's knocked out. Um, he goes into the house to try to find Kyle. At this point. Um, he, you know, and this is where I was like, just be silent. Try to be silent. You know, don't make any movements. Don't do anything. But Tom's going back outside and Kyle makes a sound. So then he he, um, he ends up trying to go upstairs. Rachel comes in and, um, you know, tries to be a mom, finally. Freaking third act of the movie. I was going to say it only took her like, you know, to the third act of the movie. Right. Uh, Tom ends up dragging her into the bedroom. Uh, they start fighting each other, which I, you know what? I know you don't like Rachel, but I got to hand it to her. She, she held her own. I know. I, I, I wasn't, I was surprised. Um, there was a part where I think he like kicked her into the closet or something like she flew like, you know, backwards into like a closet. And I think he kicked her a couple of times in the stomach or just hit her a bunch of times. That was the, I mean, you know, obviously you suspend disbelief when you're watching action movies and, you know, thrillers and stuff. But I do have to say that like that part really kind of took me out of the movie yeah. for a minute because I was like, she's not getting up from that. Like there's no, she's so skinny and she's like, she's tall, but she's so skinny. She's like weighs nothing. And I was like, he's, this is Russell Crowe, like large Russell Crowe, large and in charge. Like he's heavy set Russell Crowe in this movie. And he just kicked her a whole bunch of times in the stomach and she f went flying. I'm like, she's not getting up from that, but she got up from that kind of quickly. I mean, I don't know. So that was that was the, my only beef with the with that action sequence. I was just like, yeah, that's not really happening, you know. Yeah. If he slapped her once, I get it, but he kind of really like because he really doesn't like her, you know. He's really pissed at her, and he's really pissed at life, you know. He's he's got a big grievance with life right now, yeah. and I have to ask you. I just want to pause here for another moment because we do see Tom taking pills throughout the movie. And you're supposed to guess that there's some sort of psychiatric medication because it's not just like pills, like from a random weird looking bottle. It's like pills from like, you know, like a pharmaceutical looking bottle. Right. And they seem to be able to help him when he's seeming to like lose touch with reality, like really lose it, like lose his grip. Like he's starting to see things and, or kind of see blurry or something. I can't remember what the effect was, but, um, do you think that this movie was making 
was trying to make a comment on like, you know, mental health, or do you think it was just sort of like another clue to add to his, you know, to his character? Cause like a lot of what we know about him is not said out loud. Like we, you know, it's like, you know, he could just as easily been called just the man, you know, like right. in the story, because we don't know about him explicitly. Like we don't know what he, what his profession is. We don't know a lot of things about him, but what we do know, we pick up from cues, you know, like we knew he had issues with his marriage and he killed his wife and lover and the lover of the wife. And, you know, so he's obviously like, you know, become unhinged, you know? Um, so do you think that it was, it's, a statement on like mental health issues or do you think it's just another clue to his character or do you think it's both? I think it's both. Um, I, and, and even going further than that, maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but I think, I think it's about men and mental. Hmm. Okay. Um, because a lot of, a lot of the times, you know, as a man, Oftentimes, men deal with mental health, and they exhibit it through anger. They never really tap into the emotion of why they're depressed, or and I and I'm saying this from personal experience. Sure, uh, you know it. You never really address the fact that okay, I'm depressed, I'm angry, but why am I angry, and do I deal with that? myself or am I going to take it out on other people? You know, when, when one thing happens, especially when it comes to someone that has gone through a difficult relationship, it's like, do you begin to give those, like, do you begin to start to give those same things that happened in your relationship to other people do you see them as a representation of what was done to you? And I think, you know, and this is just, again, my brain sometimes the way it works. But, you know, even in that, that those first moments when we see the interaction between Rachel and Tom, I feel like in that moment he saw his ex. And it was all about, you know, the inconvenience of Rachel but she didn't stop to consider why he didn't move when he was supposed to or go when he was supposed to. Um, and then that's, you know, you, you kind of talked about it earlier when you said it was kind of like, it was kind of like talking to a child, you know, are we going to say sorry now? Um, I think in that moment, if this makes any sense at all, he was kind of asking that because his wife never said sorry. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that, but that's absolutely right. Um, that sounds that sounds so right in that like yeah, totally. And, and spot I, on. And I think that's I think that's what he was going for. Like he in a way, I want I I kind of feel like he almost did that as a way to kind of forgive himself for doing what he did to the ex-wife and her new guy. Yeah. Is that Hey, can we? I'm saying sorry to you for what I did. Can you say sorry to me for what you did? And when he didn't get that, you know, just that that you know rage just took over. And so I I think it's a little bit of both because um, I don't think as as men we deal with um, mental health issues properly all the time. I mean, there's certainly good examples of people that do. Uh, but oftentimes it takes an event that brings you back to reality and gives you that moment of clarity where you're like, oh, crap, I really need to deal with my crap. Like, I need to deal with this because yeah. if I don't, these are the things that can happen. So, yeah. um, so like, I, in, in a weird way and, you know, <laughs> watching this movie for me in a weird way, I could kind of relate to him in ways because it's like, I've, I've been there before where I've been so angry and pissed off and just full of rage. And it makes you think for a brief moment, what would happen if 
I didn't control myself just one day. Like if I didn't have the self-control, if I'm not able to kind of say, you know what? I want to do this and I'm doing this in my mind, but I'm going to, I'm going to let cooler heads prevail and I'm going to go on about my day and, and just curse that person out, you know, under my breath, but I'm not going to do anything. What if you actually gave into that? And I think that's a lot of what we see in this movie. It's like, I know a lot of people who feel like, you know, they want to get revenge on their exes. Um, you know, and some I'm pretty sure that some people watching this movie that felt that way, that moment might have been cathartic to them. Like, oh, that's what that would have been like. Um, but at the same time, it's like you, you can kind of suspend your disbelief and be like, OK, obviously, this is a movie I'm watching. Obviously, I know I can't do this kind of crap. Um, right. It's not worth it. And, you know, but I but I think that I think that's what this movie does for me is, is there's just so much. There are so many parallels and so many things that you can draw from different points of the movie. Um, for me, anyway, I mean, maybe I'm just reading way too much into it. I often do that, but, you know. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Um, we all have movies that, look, revenge movies are, like, they, like, lean into that for us. You know, they do what we can't do. That's why I love revenge movies. Revenge movies are my favorite genre. Um, of, of film um, because like uh, for instance like Kill Bill uh, I used to watch I watched that movie when I was in a very sad place in my life um, I watched that movie every day for like six months like you know and because I needed to watch that I needed because there's no way I could go out and do the things that I wanted to do to make myself feel better but I could watch it on the screen you know I could watch I could watch Uma you know take care of like wreck everybody that had wrecked me, you know? And so for sure, these revenge movies bring that stuff out of us, you know? Um, and I don't know, I really appreciate hearing um, a man's perspective on the mental health front because, um, you know, all, all I really get to listen to mostly is my own. So, <laughs> um, but I, I never would have, I honestly never would have thought of that about him sort of like using that whole interaction with um, Rachel at the stoplight as like, as like a stand in for like, you know, as if, you know, it was like what he could have said to his ex, what he could have said to anyone who, who he feels, you know, ruined his life for him, you know? Cause I think I, I listened to Russell Crowe briefly in an interview for this movie. And he had said that, he didn't initially, he did not want to do this movie. He received the script and he read it and he was like, it's not for me. I don't like, he didn't feel like that any of the characters had, were built up enough and were deep enough to understand like motivations for why or reasons like why they would do what they were doing. So he felt like it wasn't the right movie for him. And he said that he felt like it was too much of the time, like where people are just pissed off and feel like it's everyone else's fault but theirs, and then they go and do something violent. And he was just like, maybe that's why it bothered me because it's so much like real, like real life actually now. Um, but then he met with the director and they had a talk and they were like kind of, I think the director invited him to like mold the script a little bit more and mold the action and the storyline a little bit more to make him feel comfortable and eventually he, you know, whatever took the role. but. Yeah. I could see that. Like I could see that whole, you know, um, that's what a lot of times we kind of get when we, when we hear the manifestos or um, the, or, or e emails or just the last words of like, you know, mass murderers and shooters and stuff. And they just blame they'll, and I'm, I'm not saying just like I'm pointing a finger at them, but what I'm saying is that what we, what we what we get back from them what we find out later is that they feel like their lives were like for nothing, but they blame other people for that. Yeah. And so that's why they feel like they're justified in taking revenge and taking or taking action, murderous action upon dozens or groups of people. Um, and so I feel like, um, but I don't feel like this movie was commenting too much on that per se. It, it was part of the aspect of him 
I think that's why we didn't get to know him too well, like too deeply. Um, we just understood um, his anger and then his actions, his behaviors, you know, and the consequences of those behaviors. Like, um, and all joking aside, I mean, I just think where the movie failed is that I don't know if they were trying to make Rachel a complex character. If they were, I think they could have done a better job because honestly, even my husband was like, she is such an unsympathetic character. Like you don't really, like there's nobody that you feel badly for in this movie. Like even the kid kind of ends up being kind of shitty at one point. Um, yeah. The brother is a total douche. Like the girlfriend seems like she's mooching off of everybody in that family. So you don't feel like too badly for her. Rachel's clients sound really nasty the way that the client like tells her, you know, she doesn't want her to do her hair anymore or whatever. Um, everybody was kind of like gross except for the lady that was working at the gas station yeah. and, and Andy actually, Andy was trying to be a good friend to her. Um, the lawyer guy, he was trying to be a good friend to her. And I guess there was some pretense where they, you know, that was, it was, her, it's, it was more like that was her friend who also happened to be a lawyer who was doing her a favor. It wasn't like, you know, her lawyer who then became her friend. So, um, but yeah, Rachel as the main character, as the main, you know, as his opponent, so to speak, I just think was just, is just, it's just a terrible character. I really don't, I don't find anything redeeming about her. Um, I think her relationship with her son is even, it's so one-sided, yeah. you know, um, I can't believe that she like let her son go into school really late and not walk. She didn't walk in with him to explain that it was her fault that he was late and to like not give him detention. He was like, mom, this is like the fifth time I'm late. Now I'm going to get a detention. And she's like, sorry, bud, I'll get you, I'll get you a milkshake when you get out. And I'm like, that's really horrible. Like, if that was me, I would just be like, listen, it's totally my fault. Is there anything I can do? Like, you know, it's not his fault. He has no way of getting to school without me. And I overslept nothing. She just like, everything is just all about her, mm -hmm. you know? And I just felt like this is a despicable character too. And so I don't know. And then the whole thing with the mental illness, like you said, I think it's, you can't drop psychiatric issues into a film without it reverberating you know so in one way or another whether they meant to make a loud statement or a quiet statement it's there you know and i mean i guess that's a question that always comes up anyway in these situations where you have like an attacker and like like what's their motivation are they mentally ill you know um but i just don't think that it i think that mental illness can exacerbate a problem but it's not the problem. Right. You know what I mean? Like, obviously not in every case, but like, you know, he was triggered by, you know, this woman being exceptionally rude, but that could happen to anybody. I've, I've had, I've had like road rage issues where someone was extremely rude to me and I bugged out. You know what I mean? And I wasn't particularly having a bad day. I hadn't like, you know, gone through something traumatic. It's just, you know, when I was younger, you know, I would have, you know, road rage issues at times because things are just too heated now, you know, and like that can trigger anybody. So um, while it was another spice in the casserole, I don't think it was totally necessary, you know, but yeah. I guess like with I guess because the title of the movie is Unhinged. Like you kind of have to throw that into like that. Yeah. That this guy is like really off of his rocker completely. So I don't think what the best I could say is that I don't think that they did any disservice or they didn't like, uh, they didn't do us, uh, people who have mental health issues dirty. So I will give it credit for that because right. they could have a lot of like, like, um, a lot of movies will just kind of like, you know, I don't want to say use it as a punchline, but like kind of use it as like, oh, well, see, they're obviously crazy, you know, and then leave it at that. It's like, that's whatever. So um, I don't want to jump ahead of you, but I do want to um, make sure we check in with each other about, because um, we're almost there, like about the ending. Mm -hmm. So I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll, I'll, I'll toss the ping pong ball right back to you so you can tell us about the ending. 
so you know I, we talked a little bit about their their fight and uh rachel ends up she's able to get some scissors and she stabs tom in the eye and uh then she ends up kicking those scissors deeper into his eye socket which i was I, i'm a fan of that kind of violence <laughs> I, i'm not ashamed to admit it um and she kills him and um and then so we we find we get the cops there um they give their statements you know when they when they're doing that they find out that fred her brother is still alive um they're getting ready to go see fred as they get done with the police um rachel's trying to get out of the driveway a car just kind of zooms across and you know she almost didn't learn her lesson she's just a she wants to honk that horn but she decides against it and the most mature person i feel in the film her son uh says good choice and roll credits there roll we go credits. and i've got to say and my my i'm drawing a blank right now what was the song at the end oh um don't fear the reaper but it was like a cover it was a cover it was yeah, awesome. so awesome it was awesome yes when i heard that i was like yes i love this and lewis was like what song is it i was like it's don't fear the reaper when you deaf <laughs> it was so good and i like so i yeah it was so it's it's crazy because the way that it was done it was like so like you said so pretty and elegant after we've just watched this movie filled with carnage and chaos and yeah. killing all of that stuff um, chaos yeah I mean, you know we we get that rendition of that song but it's such a pretty cover my god i have to i have to look for that on on uh on my phone yeah but yeah that's that's the end okay how did you like that ending um there's a part of me that liked it because it's like okay she learned her lesson maybe she's going to be different now but i even still i still feel like even in those moments her son had to be the most mature person yep so it's like you shouldn't have to have validation from your kid for a decision that you make when you've gone through an entire day of that same decision. Like, why mm -hmm. was that a thought in your mind to, oh, I'm going to, I mean, why even have that hesitation? I mean, at, th at that point, all the trauma that you've been through, all the death, everything that you've seen, and you're still so caught up and, and this is and and I want to go here that moment is such a real life moment because so many people they they'll go through something and for a split second they forget the lesson that they learned and then you go right back into that same kind of you know cycle and a lot of times we don't just stop and think or the other part of it too is we're always in such a hurry. Uh-huh, perfect. Yep. That Yep. Anytime we feel inconvenienced in the slightest, we've got to let somebody know, "Hey, you've inconvenienced me. I'm going to honk my horn at you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that." And it's really not that serious. Yeah. And I mean, one one small act can spiral down a path that you don't want to go. And I mean, I I said earlier that I want you kind of talked a little bit about your road rage story a little bit. But I mean, for me, you know, I was younger, had somebody kind of tailgating me and I break checked them a couple times, you know, thinking, hey, you know, I'm. I'm going to show them, you know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna show them. and then I turn off and this car follows me. Oh, Lord. And like to the point where 
I was turning different places that weren't even close to where I needed to go just to see if they would continue following me. Oh, and they did. And, you know, eventually like we're, it's not like we're on a four lane highway. We're on a, like right. a road in South Carolina and they pull up beside me and like flip me off and say a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, now that I'm a little bit older and I think about that, that could have ended up a completely different way. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I remember, um, first of all, that's terrifying. That's a really scary story because you're right. It could, it could go any way. And then it's like, at that moment, you're like, oh, what, what can I do? Like what, there's nothing I can really do except to keep driving and these people won't let me alone. You know, um, I had a, uh, I had a situation where I was younger. I was like in my early twenties and I was just driving. I had my friend with me um, and we were just driving. It was nighttime and there was this car full of guys that just decided to start. We didn't know them, but we weren't flirting with them. It was like all of a sudden we were, I noticed that we were being followed by what I could tell from my rear view mirror was a car full of guys. And I was, I was getting really agitated because I was doing the same thing. I was like turning and turning this way and turning that way. Definitely ways that, you know, no one else would go. And they just kept following. So I pulled over, but like, I was like on a main it was like on a main street and I pulled over and I got out of the car. I was so, I was furious. I was so furious um, that I got out of the car and I went up to their car and I was expecting them to get out. And I wasn't scared. I was like, I will kick butt right now because I'm so pissed. I had like that, all that fury, you know, like running in my face. I'm like, what are they doing? Why are they following me? And I banged on the uh, driver's side window with my fist. Like I was like, I was boom, 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 boom. And I was like, what the F are you doing? Why are you following me? Leave me alone. I'm going to call the police. Do you see this? And I was like, just really just went at it. And my yeah. son, my friend had kind of come out of the car and was like, just watching me, you know? And when I got home, I told, I told my sister what had happened and she got really mad at me, which I was surprised at. Because, and she said just exactly what you said, Jeff. She was like, don't you understand that could have turned out so much worse than you just getting back into your car and them driving away? Like, you know, you don't know who they are. You don't, you know, they could have had weapons. They could have just been all of them high or drunk or something and decided to, you know, hurt you. Like, and I've, I mean, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of uh, road rage situations where I'm the one raging or I've had other people um, do really weird stuff and then get into like, I, I'll like, you know, kind of go tit for tat. And I, the last one really, um, the last couple ones really scared me so much that I, I just, I'm all like, whatever you want to do is fine. I'm just going to drive the other way and look the other way because it's just too much road rage sneaks up on you really fast. I think that's one of the things that made this movie sort of, I could imagine it being somewhat relatable to a lot of people. And it's like no surprise that the main, the main baddie is like this kind of like big, large man. And that the, the, you know, the victim is like this kind of like smallish woman, you know, who seems more vulnerable um, but has an attitude because I feel like that they're aiming for an audience of people who are not going to sympathize with her, who may not sympathize with Russell Crowe, but they're not going to sympathize with her because she's so obnoxious, you know, and she is antagonizing the situation. Like you said, she has no patience. She can't wait. She can't be inconvenienced, you know, um, even though all throughout the beginning of the movie, she does nothing but inconvenience everyone around her. You know, um, her son, you know, the client that she is late for, um, everybody is, you know, and the, and even even her friend who she's supposed to meet at the diner, you know, like it, it, the whole thing is like messed up. And so she's so they kind of they kind of like set up, you know, they kind of stack the cards that way so that you're not liking her and you can find yourself in that situation where someone like her is bullying you on the road and you become enraged because that just happens so quickly, you know? Um, 
I just, I know from experience, but it's, it's so not, it's really so not worth it. Anytime I've ever engaged with people who are trying to do me dirty on the street, you know, in the cars, or I've ended up back home whenever, when all is said and done crying for like an hour and feeling like, like crap, just, you know, and having no satisfaction there's no satisfaction to be gained unless you take it all the way like we were talking about just like a full circle unless you take it all the way like a russell Krogh in this movie but what are you going to do to go to jail you're going to murder people you know what i mean like that's not who we are so yeah but i did appreciate this movie for um i appreciated this movie for about like three quarters of the way and then i feel like the last quarter of the movie where she kind of starts you know, like, I don't know, kind of fighting back and like when she like kills him and all this stuff and like her kid is there. I was like, I don't need any of this. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to watch this kid be traumatized. The kid, did, I think the kid was a good actor. He did a really good job. Um, I think he was second to Russell Crowe in this movie. I think he did a really good job playing. Um, even he, he played like he was even younger than 15. Um, and he, when at the end scene when like the cops are there and they're downstairs in the kitchen and they're kind of getting cleaned up the kid looks like he's like visibly looks traumatized and yeah. i he look and i mean and i don't think i think the other thing that also took me out of the movie was them being allowed to just like walk off like out of the crime scene like they would have been taken to the hospital for shock and trauma if nothing else you know plus they looked pretty banged up, you know, yeah. and, and, but they were just allowed to go and go to go visit the brother. And I was kind of, I thought it was a cop out that the brother was still alive. I think that was like a test audience, you know, or, or the executive producers were like, no, 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 no. Like the, the brother's got to live so that we can make it a little more of a happy ending. Yeah. That brother should have died. He was lit on fire for freak's sake, you know? And yeah. Granted, the cop like you know came in to rescue him, but uh-uh, he had other he had other wounds and stuff, and no way. I just so I I give the I actually give the the ending a thumbs down, mm -hmm. but I love that song. Like you said, you mentioned you know that song. It's great song. It's a great cover. Um, all right, so let's rate this this little man child of a movie, <laughs> Jeffrey. Uh, May it please the court. Would you give this movie a rating, please? We have, we, uh, on Movies to Be Murdered By, as you know, counselor, we rate films um, from one to five, giving them the headstones rating. So if you would, counselor, one to five, what would you rate Unhinged starring Russell Crowe? That's a really good question. I always know this is coming, and I still am. <laughs> um, if not for the ending, I would have given it like four and a half. So I think I'm going to give it three and a half. Um, and I'm sitting here kind of going back and forth in my mind. Do I want to give it a four, or do I stay at three and a half? But um yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with three and a half okay um and as a little bonus follow-up question that we always do an uh, attorney at large for the movies uh watson would you have any imagery from this movie tattooed on your arm no no okay no 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 ink from this one Okay. Um, I mean, the closest I would come to that is that that truck. Oh, like, okay. And the truck somehow incorporated. So, um, what about you? Give us a rating. Um, I think I'm gonna go with you with a three and a half stars. I also kind of want to give it a four. But I also kind of want to punch the last part of the movie in the face. So, you know, it really could have, it really could have like gone so much better. The ending could have been like really like 
down and dirty and quick, just like the rest of the movie was. It was like really fast with all the car chases and stuff. And I felt like they were really building to something. And I don't think he had to die. I don't no. think he, there's, there's lots of movies where you know someone is a tragic character. Like he's, you know, tragic character, right? And you know that they have to die. Like that's just it. He didn't have to die though in this movie. They've really, I, I still can picture Russell Crowe being taken away in handcuffs and like looking at her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like giving her like a long look as he gets into the squad car. I think that would have been better. Um, and yeah, so three and a half um, because I think Russell Crowe was excellent in this movie. Uh, I think he held it up. He, if it was, I don't think if it, I think if it was anyone else, like lesser, like a lesser caliber actor, I don't think this movie would have flown as far as it did. I think he gave it its wings. Um, and I believed him. I, be, I believed him every, every sentence he said from when he was being polite. I believed him in the beginning when he went at his ex-wife's house with like a hammer and clawed his way into that house. I believed him when he was having like breakdowns throughout the movie, like, and was obviously like losing his mind. Um, I just think he was a great villain. I think he was a great villain in this movie. So um, three and a half headstones. And uh, I don't think I would get anything tattooed from this movie. It's not like it, visually it was pretty boring, but I, I mean, it needed to be cause it was just driving around like in anywhere, any town USA. So yeah. well, well, I want to thank you because you, uh, you know, you illuminated this title to me. I had not seen it before. I had not been aware of Unhinged at all. And it was definitely a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my husband had a good time watching it too. So thank you so much for the recommendation. And it's always fun to share like lesser known movies. I mean, that's what we do here on Movies to be Murdered by. We try to share with you guys movies that, yeah, some like are the blockbusters. Some, you know, we know everybody knows about. And mostly, though, we try to go with movies that maybe you might have heard of it, but you probably didn't watch it, and you probably definitely didn't hear a podcast about it. So um, we are here. We are your people of color who happen to love horror movies and thrillers and action. We're going to be definitely delving more into, like, thrillers and action movies um, in the coming episodes because that's just who we are. Um, if you have any requests, you can always let us know at movies to be murdered by at gmail.com. Um, that's our home for right now. And we will hopefully see y'all next week. And Jeff, thank you. Have a wonderful week, brother. Have a brilliant week. You too. And I, I've got to say this since, since we are, since we do cover horror movies. Yes. Next Friday, I will be in a theater for the first time. What? What are you going to go see? I'm going to see Spiral. Oh, what? The new reimagining of the Saw franchise. I cannot wait. Like I, Awesome. I, so pumped to see it. That's so great. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for you. Perfect, yeah. movie, perfect movie to, to delve right back into the theaters. Oh, uh, and speaking of which, super happy news. Um, the Alamo in Yonkers, New York, which is the Alamo that I go to and is my second home. I mean, seriously, like that is I, before the pandemic would go there like once or twice a week. You know, that's that's just what I do, okay? I'm, I'm a movie person. Um, the Alamo announced that Yonkers location is one of the 15 locations that is reopening. So I am very thrilled because we are a little out of the way, you know, we're, we're north of New York City. And I was really just dreading that they would, you know, not open us back up in favor of all of the Manhattan and Brooklyn, you know, locations. But we are getting some love and I am so happy. I have no idea if anyone who works at the Alamo listens to our podcast, but if you do, I love you so much. I'm so happy you're reopening. Jeff, you are gonna definitely 
you know, come down and go to the Alamo with me sometime because it is so much fun. It's the best place on earth. It's my Disneyland. It's my everything. So happy movie news from us. And hopefully you guys have some happy movie news from your, of your own. Um, let's celebrate movies every day, guys. They're our friends and we will see you next week with more movie love. Bye-bye. Peace out. Game over.